Here's God's holy and infallible word, Zechariah 12, beginning at verse 1. An oracle. This is the word of the Lord concerning Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms the spirit of man within him declares, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day, when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. On that day, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness, declares the Lord. I will keep a watchful eye over the house of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of the nations. And Then the leaders of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong because... The Lord Almighty is their God. On that day, I will make the leaders of Judah like a firepot in a woodpile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will consume right and left all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. The Lord will save the dwellings of Judah first, so that the honor of the house of David and of Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, the angel of the Lord going before them. On that day, I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. That's God's word for us this morning in Zechariah. So we're looking at this chapter under the theme, really, which is the sermon title, A Year-End Report on the City of God. The City of God is one of the ways that the Bible refers to the church. We have that in Psalm 46 that we're going to sing after the sermon today. We have that in Revelation 21. We have it very beautifully in Hebrews 12, 22, where we read, speaking to us, the people of God, but you have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. We read this as an oracle, and that means it's a prophetic word of the Lord. It's about Israel, we read, and Jerusalem and Judah. Reading these Old Testament prophets through the lens of the New Testament, which calls the church the New Jerusalem and the New Israel, that tells us this prophecy is especially about God's church. We read that these things will happen on that day, again and again in our text. I think it's five or six times. And like a lot of prophecies, this very likely has more than one reference. It could refer to Jesus' second coming, and that makes a lot of sense. It could refer to his first coming. That's the day of the Lord too. But it almost also certainly applies to us today too. 
because the day of the Lord was ushered in when Jesus came to this earth. Today is the day of the Lord because Jesus has come. He was born. He lived among us. He suffered. He died. He rose again after his death, and then he ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God, where he reigns over all things. And now, by Jesus' command and by his power, the gospel is being proclaimed to all the world, and all people are called to acknowledge the lordship of our Savior through especially the mission of the church. Today is the day of the Lord. And so this is a word to us today as we reach the end of 2015 together. What's the word for us? What's the report for the church, for God's people? Our president uh, will be delivering his final State of the Union address in a few weeks, which I'm guessing some people, a number of people are looking forward to for a number of different reasons. What is revealed about the state of the church. First of all, we're told, I believe in this prophecy, that in terms of the church, in terms of history, everything is going exactly as planned. Because of God's sovereignty, everything is going as planned. Everything is going according to his blueprint. And this is despite appearances sometimes, because God's church in the world can seem weak. It can seem small. It can seem like it's not having the influence we think it should. We see the success of Hollywood blockbusters. We see the military strength of nations. We see the power of world leaders. We see the influence that billionaires have. We see the reach of corporations and governments and when you compare to all those big, grand things, the church of Jesus Christ can seem small by comparison. And it can seem that the enemy is gaining ground in our world, even today. We're concerned about the future of the church. We're concerned about the next generation and the type of world that they're going to be living in and raising their kids in. But God assures us in this prophetic word about the time between Jesus' coming that everything is on track. Everything is on track. We read at the beginning of our text that He stretched out the heavens. He laid down the foundation of the earth. In other words, remember, my people, I started this all. And in fact, speaking of foundations, God tells us in Ephesians 2 that even before the foundations of the earth were established, we were chosen in Christ. And that's how far back His plan goes. God created this earth. He set history into motion to carry out His great plan to glorify Himself by saving His people in Jesus Christ. With that same power that we're told about in the first couple verses, that same power that created the universe 
with that power, he is carrying out his plan. In our text, we have a picture of the nations going against Israel, but failing. They're failing. In other words, God will succeed. God will bring the victory. His people will stand firm through it all. Despite its enemies, the church can't lose. Verse 2, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. The Bible talks often about the cup of God's wrath and, and really the picture there of, of, of drinking a cup and reeling, it's, it's a picture of the enemies of God's people reeling in a drunken stupor because of the judgment and the power of God. They're useless. They're powerless because of the cup of God's wrath. God's people will be an immovable rock, verse 3, and all who try to move it will injure themselves. So the city of God will be so strong that God's enemies will bounce off it if they try to attack. There's a shield surrounding the church. Nothing can penetrate that shield. God has always had his plan and his blueprint for his holy city, and he's following it. It doesn't always seem like it to us. But then, we're not the architect, are we? We're called to trust that the builder knows what he's doing. We're, we're told here that he does know what he's doing. So don't worry. The church will prevail. The city of God will never be shaken. The blueprint was developed before creation because Our God is Almighty God. He is perfectly able to follow the plan. Nothing can thwart it. The victory is certain. We're on the winning team. That's true for the city of God, God's people as a whole, throughout the world, throughout history. And it's true for each one of us who are members of God's church through faith in Jesus. Verse 8 gets at that in a really cool way, I think. The feeblest among them will be like David. We can feel very feeble, very weak of faith. We worry, we fear, we wonder. We feel small in the face of the world and history moving forward. I posted a photo on Facebook of my girls at the Museum of Science and Industry on Thursday. I went with my four girls. Um, Sarah did some final Christmas planning while we were out of the house. She worked really hard. Um, We enjoyed the museum. Well, after I posted that, a friend, a good friend, posted a photo of my girls and his kids when we went to the Museum of Science and Industry together back in 2007, those, those kids looked so small. And how can that be? Now there's one in college and a couple in high school and middle school. They, they look so small. And it was, it was 2007. I mean, that's just, yeah, just yesterday. I mean, how can that be? It's hard to believe how time just 
flies by. And it goes faster and faster as, as we age, as the years go by. Here, we're heading into 2016 this week, and, and we were just talking about Y2K and the turn of the millennium. But that was 16 years ago. Remember when I was growing up, when I was a, a like grade school, middle school age in the 1980s, I used to think about my parents, and they were very young children in the 1950s, and thinking about them and, and the music and whatever, whenever someone would be on the radio, they'd be like, that's for my day. And it sounded so old. Well, today, the 1980s, which I remember well, they're like that to my kids. Ancient history. Ancient history. Unbelievable. And I don't know how that makes you all feel, but what one thing it makes me feel is, is very small. And very frail. History and time push ahead. We're roll, we roll along with it and, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. But the promise of this verse is that, that one in, ver, in verse 8, is that however frail and small we feel, and however frail and feeble we actually are, the strength a victory in the Lord is for each one of us. We're, we're strong in Him. Through Christ, we are a citizen of the city of God. And so the defenses of that city hold up for us too and our lives because we're safe inside. That, that shields surround us. Our enemies bounce off. The feeblest of us and I feel like that, will be like David. You know who David was, right? This is King David. Israel's borders expanded under King David's reign, the second king of Israel, like never before and never since. He was a military king. He pushed back enemy after enemy and never gave up any ground. The feeblest will be like King David. You may have noticed that the next... Star Wars movie came out recently. Hard to miss that. Well, the hero of the original movies was Luke Skywalker. Every little boy wanted to be him, the hero, and he was my hero too. But in the city of God, even the smallest of faith, the weakest person is Luke Skywalker is a hero like King David, strong and victorious. And so despite some strong enemies and some real fears, everything is going to, according to plan. The church is holding strong, and she always will. Despite how weak and feeble you might feel sometimes, you as a believer have the victory in the Lord. You always will. The church is an immovable rock. You and I are Luke Skywalkers of the kingdom. Nothing can stand in our way in the Lord. Secondly, we're told in this word of the Lord that the price has been paid. And this is important because you can have a great plan 
But that's not enough. There's always a cost. If you want to build a church, do some upgrades, our church property planning committees, thinking about that, going to share something with council uh, one day. Well, you need more than a blueprint. You need money. You need resources, right? That's always the question when, when you want to do something. Political candidates, they got these great plans. What's it going to cost? There's always a cost. And there's always stress related to the price tag. Well, it's a tremendous comfort to know the price to build this city, the city of our God, that price has been fully paid. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the price. His sacrifice on the cross is is talked about in verse 10 where there's a reference to the one they have pierced. We read that on the cross, a sword pierced Jesus' side. One of the soldiers did this to determine and make sure that Jesus was fully dead. Well, we read in Isaiah 53 about that prophecy too. And it says there, he was pierced for our transgressions. And that means that because of the debt of our sins, he was pierced. He died. We deserve eternal punishment because our sin created a debt that can't be paid. We can't pay it. So this is a real potential roadblock to the building and the gathering in of God's people to his church. Unholy people can't be in the presence of a holy God. Sinners can't be part of the sinless father's family. But Jesus came at Christmas to go to the cross to pay that insurmountable debt, and he did it. He paid it with the sacrifice of his precious blood. God's plan to build his city goes forward on the foundation of the finished work of Jesus. The check has been signed and it's cashed. There's no underfunding here at all for the building of the city of God. No loans need to be taken out. Appeals don't need to be made for people to contribute. The price for the building has been fully paid with the precious blood of our Savior on the cross. The price has been fully paid for this plan to happen. And third and finally, the power is there to complete the work as well. You can have a plan and you can have the funds all there, but you need the skills to do it all. Who's going to do this? What craftsmen do we need? We need to find someone who's, who's smart enough to carry this out, to put all the pieces together, a general contractor, someone who's got the energy, the stick to the time. Well, God provides that too for his people, the church, throughout the ages and even today. And that's in verse 10 as well. I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. And if the Spirit isn't capitalized in your Bibles, it should be. Because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The power is provided and it's in the Holy Spirit. And this, So this, this is a word, this is a promise to the church. I will pour out my Spirit. I will provide the power. 
At Pentecost, this happened in a mighty, mighty way as, as God propelled his church forward from the resurrection into the future until the second coming of Jesus. This is talking about renewal that God gives to his people through his spirit. We read, we receive his grace. We receive the spirit of supplication. Supplication is is, is prayer. It's a reference to prayer. And, and so we're a people of prayer, and there's great power there. Prayer is where the action is, as John Wesley once put it. We read that those who have this spirit will mourn for the one pierced. What's, what's that talking about? That's, that's talking about a sorrow for sin. Sorrow that we have, that our sin sent Jesus to that tree to die. It's for our sake he suffered and bled. And we come to that realization, when that happens, we're humbled. We're so grieved about our sin. When God sends his spirit, and we read it's not just that, he pours out his spirit, then we're sorry for sin. We turn to the one who paid the price for our sins, and we're filled with his spirit. All resources tend to run out. Resources are finite. Our financial resources, we're only well too aware that our finances are finite, right? Uh, Even if we have some money in the bank, some big health problem, other unexpected expenses, and, and those resources can dwindle away very quickly. And our strength runs out. Our intellectual capacity for solving issues in life can reach a a roadblock. And and we get, as we say, to our wits end. Even for the, the savvy business person, as we say, their luck eventually runs out. It's inevitable. But we never, ever run out of spiritual resources. God's resources never fade or dwindle. God pours out his spirit to give us energy for each day all the way to the end. We need only call out. We need only depend on him. So what's the state of the church at the end of 2015? What's the state of faith, church? What's the report? What's God's word for his church? Well, the church is standing as strong as ever because of our triune God. Though sometimes we don't always get it or see it, everything in history is going according to the Father's sovereign plan. The the world will not prevail. The church is victorious. Jesus the Son paid the price in full for its building and construction. His coming and work ensures that the city will be built to completion and by the Holy Spirit, God's power is poured out on the church. So this will all be completed. Through faith in Jesus, by us putting our lives into Jesus' care, 
each one of us can be a member of this city that the Bible talks about, the city of God. And that means that if you put your trust in the Lord as you approach the end of yet another year, you can be assured that everything is going according to the Father's plan in your life. It really, truly is. You can have a comfort that Jesus paid the price even for your sin. And you can know that you have all the resources you need in God the Holy Spirit until the end and even certainly for the year to come. Amen.